Abed and all hope listeners, you're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hi, folks. Old Man Grognard here. It's Friday. It's Friday. Hope you're all doing well. And it is show number 400 for anybody who's keeping count. I surely ain't. Well, I have to because I have to put it into anchor. So <laughs> we had a really good uh, tavern chat last night. And that's when I get to hear all the brouhaha that's going on in the OSR. So much so sometimes I can't even keep track. Fortunately, I have Eric Tinkar there to bring me up to date. Tavern chat, his blog, his his Tavern Chat Anchor podcast, which you should all be listening to. But that's not what I want to talk about. That was just a nice little diversion last night. What I want to talk about right now is, I'm going to use another analogy. Uh-oh, uh-oh, he's going to use another analogy. Look out. About your game, pacing your game. You know, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, they said, always be closing. And... You know, that kind of applies to role-playing games. Always be closing. Always always think of the course of the adventure and where it's going to go and where it's going to end. If it ends the way you think it's going to end because you have players there. But thinking about an, an end. Always think about an end. I mean, if they throw... You know, if they throw lemons at you, you better learn to make lemonade real fast. And to me, that's just the part of the, that's the, that's the thrill of the game. It's, it gets my blood pumping when stuff like that happens. I don't take it in a bad way anymore. See, you got to relax because I used to be uptight about running games, which is why I didn't run very many games in the early part of my gaming, gaming life. And I just, because I get behind that screen and I think it was the actor in me because I looked at these people across the table and all of a sudden it's opening night. Now, I never get butterflies or anything like that in a, on, a, on stage. Well, let me, let me make an exception to that rule. I never get butterflies or nervous or anything if I'm prepared. So there's a difference. If I'm not prepared, I start worrying. And I don't really like, you know, oh my god, I can't step on stage. No, it's more like I'm worried. So I get that way. And that's why I used to get behind the screen because I'd have these people look at me like, okay, what's going to happen? I got to come up with something good. And I get real nervous behind the screen because it was, like I said, it was the actor in me. I didn't feel like I was prepared when on stage, you know, I gotta, I gotta know my lines, gotta know my cues, gotta know my blocking movement on the stage. So, you know, once I got those down and they're down pat, I have no problem. You know, bring on opening night, let's go. But stepping behind the screen, I know half of it's improv, or a good portion of it can be improv because you got something planned that may not go the way you want. If you ever look on YouTube, uh, type in. Abbott and Costello, Jonah and the Whale. That was a routine they used to do where Lou is trying to tell a story, a joke about Jonah and the Whale, and Abbott keeps interrupting him. He keeps asking him questions. He keeps asking him, he keeps interrupting 
trying to tell the joke, and at the end, he spoils the joke. That's the bit. That's the whole routine. It's really funny. Like, like he'll start and says, okay, there's this man fishing in a sea, and Matt will go, what sea? What difference does it make? What sea? What sea? It's a, there's the, what ocean? There's an Atlantic Ocean, there's the Pacific Ocean, and the Indian Ocean. He's in the Pacific Ocean, all right? And then he goes on like this. You know, he keeps going on. That's the routine. Sometimes that's the way I feel behind the screen. That I used to feel behind the screen. Because they would ask me questions I had no answers to. And I'm just glad I'm not a lawyer. Not a rules lawyer, but a lawyer. Because one of the main tenets of, of law is, or being a lawyer in tri at trial, is never ask a question you don't already know the answer to. And so... You know, you get you get that deer. I've seen I've seen people get the deer in the headlights look, and you know, flop sweat and all that kind of stuff. But I've learned to let go enough. I know I have because I prepped like like stage. I prepped. I prepped my area. I prepped this adventure. I wrote, and if it goes off the if it goes off track, then I can. Either I have you have one or two choices. You either get it back on track, or you just go with it and see where they're going with it, and figure out how to mainly maybe work the story in later, or just just like I said, they're like a big dog on a leash. You are the master, and this dog is yanking you all over the place. You don't want to pull on the chain. You don't want to pull on the leash. Because you just want to let the dog do what the dog do, and that's basically what it is for me. I just hang on. I just hang on to the chain and see where we go with this. And I know somewhere I have confidence that somewhere I can make something. Either either get it back to what we were doing, or make something else of this. To me, it's like I said. It's like it's like dealing with Plato. <laughs> basically so i i worry you know i don't worry about it anymore that's the thing i've got more confidence in what i've prepared you have to have confidence in what you prepared and just know that now i'm kind of pontificating on things that I've, I've i feel like i've talked before but you you if you're any kind of regular listener you know what you're getting as far as i'm concerned as far as me so we'll so, but like I said, have confidence in your prep and just, you know, run with it. Okay, back to the actual adventure. Because, unfortunately, I see, I don't, you know, I don't like railroads. And I don't feel, when I say, and I didn't want to say get them back on track. I want to say both there do because track, it sort of suggests a railroad and I'm anti-railroad. But unfortunately, the way the game is, you have to have something planned as a story arc, as an arc, as a framework. So you look at your encounters. You look at the way the story's going. And let me use an here's the analogy I was talking about like five minutes ago. I'm talking about musicals. Musicals, uh, being in theater, I have sort of a. Uh, knowledge of the history of musicals. I'm not really a musical person. I'm more of a dramatic stage actor. But I've done my share of musicals. I think every actor should probably do at least one. And let me tell you, there are a lot more work. Ugh. Boy. But 
musicals, the history of musicals came out of, you know, opera, then light opera, and then these musicals came along. And a lot of times the musicals were out there just to push the songwriter songs. In the early days, I'm talking about turn of the century, the 20s, whatever. There were musicals that you could actually take songs out of and they become popular songs. It has nothing to do with a musical. You'd be surprised how many old standards and pop songs from the 20s, 30s, and 40s, and even the 50s that you could just, oh man, I did, that was part of a musical? What? You know, that kind of thing. Because it didn't do anything. There was, it was, the story was almost an afterthought. And it reminds me of somebody who follows, who, who's an opera buff, told me one time. He said, you know, they spent most of their rehearsal time on the music. And then they spend maybe a day or two on blocking and things like that. And it's like, that's incredible. That, that is, I, I mean, I'm blown away because the music was more important. Well, this, the music is more important too. It's a way to hang the, the and the story, and the story is just the way to hang on to, you know, hang, it used to be the story that was something to hang the songs on. Until they got into things like, like in the 50s and shows like Oklahoma and West Side Story, which are both based on literary works, ironically. Carousel, anything Rogers and Hammerstein, or I mean, today it's you know Lerner and Lowe carried on the tradition. Mike, uh, Mike, um, Stephen Sondheim, Andrew Lloyd Webber carried on this tradition of actually writing songs that would that would advance the story. It would be part of the story. Now, I'm not saying they still didn't get their hits out of it, but more people are aware, oh, this is from West Side Story. Oh, this is from Oklahoma. This is so, But all the songs, are that was a new concept in the 30s and 40s of songs that advanced the story because to them, the story was just there for the vehicle for the songs. But somebody, and they thought, well, let's do something more integrated. Let's integrate the songs into the story. And there's some early... There's some early examples of that. Murray Chevalier used to make musicals where, like, there's one called Love Me Tonight that was, like, the first one for, for film. And it went on. And the, if you watch The Wizard of Oz, it's the same thing. The songs, the songs move the story forward. And what I'm saying is I'm comparing the songs to the encounters. And I'm particularly talking about random encounters here because you should have some set encounters in your story, that is part of the plot. But working random encounters into your plot is even better. So whenever I do a random encounter, I look at the chart with an eye towards, okay, what can I do? What else can I do with this besides just giving them a fight or some kind of meeting with something or somebody? Because that, to me, that that's, that's fun. That's a lot of fun. I mean, I don't mind musicals. Like, if you look at, like, say, the Marx Brothers, the Coconuts or Animal Crackers or stuff like that, you can take the songs out of there and it wouldn't matter. You'd have a funny movie. And you can, ta- ta- you can take the songs and they could have made hits out of a lot of the songs, but they didn't. But like I said, the, the, the story was optional. Well, let's make, not make the encounters optional in the game. Let's, make, let's say, because there's a lot of times when I'll, run, I'll write up a game, I'll write up an adventure, and I'll just put, because I'm, I'm addicted to things like, okay, you got a hook, you got encounter, 
and then you have a let's call it a I can never remember what they used to call this. It's basically interaction, information, clues, whatever. Let's call it clues. Then you get another counter, you get another clue, and then another counter, another clue, and build it, build it, build it till it gets to a climax, and then you have the climax and the denouement, which is, you know, the end of the story. So, so there'd be times when I build an adventure, and if I get to the an encounter, I'll just put random encounter depending on where they are. If they're traveling, yeah, I'll just write random encounter there. And then I know at the table, that's where I decide what's going on. And if you can do that at a table with four to six to eight people staring at you and to make it an interesting part of the story, you're on your way, man. Or you are a good game master. You are on your way to being a good game master. And I'm just, you know, I, and you know what, even, and even if you have to take a break, I, I said, okay, you guys are going through the desert. Let's take 10 minutes. Everybody, you know, go to the bathroom, get a drink, whatever. And you sit there and go, okay, how can I work this into? Ah, got it. Okay. Especially if you know your players. Now with the new groups, it's a little harder, but you could probably do it. In fact, I like to do it with new groups even better because I don't know them. I will throw something at them that I think can be linked into the party and just to see what they do, just to see how these characters react. It's sort of a test, you know, sort of a, that kind of thing. Remember I said, I really didn't know my character until about three sessions in, then I know what kind of character it is. I mean, I've got, I always got a concept and everything like that, but I mean, as far as getting down deeper into the character, it's the same thing here. I'm doing these encounters to find out what they're made of. That's what you do for when you do it with a, a new brand spec, a new group. But yeah, encounters, random encounters are like the songs in a musical. You can either, they can either have nothing to do with the story or they can advance the story. And I prefer advancing the story. And, and things that come out of it, and the aftermath of, you know, what happens during the encounter, what happens after the encounter, it just gets me going. I love that kind of stuff. This is the kind of ad-libbing I love to do. Anyway, I hope you guys can take that away something from that <laughs> and just, you know, think about more you bet more but more better encounters. So, I'm going to go start my day. So, if you want to talk to me about it or anything else, I'm drop me an email oldmangrognard at gmail.com or you can drop a voicemail on me on Anchor. And we are funded, we are monetized. So, as little as 99 cents a month, you too can support this program and I would thank you and thank you to my thank you to my supporters Jonathan Dorje Wendell Jessen Oliver Shriek Gilbert Suarez Juan Carlos Lowen, and our new supporter Daniel Reynolds thank you Daniel you are now on the rolls I appreciate it very much so until I see you folks next time keep the dice warm and I'll talk to you later bye bye questions Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air.